there's going to be a new captain announcement. It's going to happen probably in November. That's generally when those announcements are made. We get a little bit away from the event. We let these kind of reports subside. And then the PJ of America announces so-and-so is the next captain. Who the hell wants that job? All right. There's no Shipnuck. There's no Bamberger. But we're here to recap the Ryder Cup. It's still in the chair and Sean's what, what we do have? I just want to apologize. Get that apology out of the way because everyone is ready after every major or big event for Shipnuck and Bamberger. Two senior writers at Golf Magazine. We don't have them. Are you going to title this podcast, Shipnick and Bamberger Break Down the Ryder Cup? <laughs> yes, just get them in. Just get, get, the, the get the viewers in. Uh, a lot has happened. We flew home from Paris last night. Everything is going... Dude, just bananas. while we were in the air, there were like four stories that broke out, or rumors, or stuff yes. that we weren't sure what the hell was going on. So I want to first ask where the hell are we at right now and we're going to run through everything that has happened in regards to team usa mainly maybe a couple of things about team europe that'll be a lot, lot more complimentary yeah but uh, the first one is is patrick reed yeah this started sunday morning obviously when uh justine reed's twitter account which at the time had about 30 followers i think when we first mm, checked it yep. maybe it was 20 or 30 followers <laughs> And it was spouting off low profile at Team USA, at people that were criticizing Patrick Reed. There were a bunch of takes flying around that were all of them explosive. And they included the nugget that, you know, if you want to figure out why Spieth and Reed split up, why don't you go ask Jordan? Yeah, pretty ominous. She currently, about 60 hours later, has 1,590 followers. It's quite the gains on Twitter.com. That is incredible. And and so you went out and chased her down. I think a lot of people probably at least read that story or, you know, if they haven't, basically the glut is that you went out and asked her, hey, what's going on with your Twitter account? She said, what do you mean? And you said, well, there's, you know, a Twitter account. And you asked her, is that your account? And she says, well, I, I can't really say. I can't really say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this was it. You basically did. This was an, it was an awkward confrontation, but, you know, Patrick Reed was going to go out in 20 minutes and I knew the story was already spreading around the internet. So if there was going to be a time to get a comment, it wasn't going to be when Reed was playing. So I ran up to the yeah. putting green and, and luckily found her there. We had this awkward exchange because clearly it had been her, but once I, she found out that I was with golf magazine, she just shut it down. She had no idea that she was getting major Twitter following gains. Yeah. Serious gains. Uh, you should follow me and Sean on Twitter for that, uh, that matter, but I don't think we're gonna get the same kind of gains as, as Justine. Anyway, where do we stand with Patrick Reed? Because that was just the start of it. Yes. Patrick Reed went nuclear later that night to Karen Krause, New York times, basically telling her that Jordan, the reason they didn't play together is because Jordan didn't want to play with Patrick, whether it was because a joke that Patrick made or what, the reason was because Jordan did not want to play with Patrick. All right. He said he wanted to go crazy like Phil did in 2014 yeah. at Glen Eagles. Basically, the most epic Ryder Cup press conference ever. Phil Mickelson throwing Tom Watson under the bus. That's where Patrick Reed wanted to take it. And it's a shame that he didn't. But you and I were in that presser, and we're sitting there looking at him. Jordan had responded to the question. Furyk had responded to the question. And all of a sudden, Patrick Reed inches closer to his mic 
and he looks ready to say something. And the moderator said, all right, that's it. Thanks, guys. And everyone got up and left. And you knew something was on the tip of Patrick's tongue. And that's, I guess, why uh, Karen Krause tracked him down. Yeah, and major kudos to Karen for actually tracking him down because you're right. When he and Spieth made eye contact after this question, he was grinning like the freaking Cheshire cat down there. You could tell there was just something maniacal behind those eyes that he was ready to say something. He wasn't quite sure. And I actually do want to give a little bit of credit to Patrick Reed for just being honest and speaking his mind because, look, he didn't have to talk to Karen Krause. He could have just said nothing and, uh, you know, eventually it would have gone away. But as it is, he spoke his mind. He didn't come off better for it. No. But he did speak his mind. He was honest. And there's something to be said for that. And then we take <laughs> we take the flight from Paris to New York and there is more breaking news that we missed from my boy. Mark Cannizzaro, the New York Post. Yes. Well, Mark Cannizzaro has sources. People have been guessing about these sources all over the internet today. We will not share our guesses because we're responsible journalists. However, basically, his source said that Reed wanted to play with Tiger, was begging to play with Tiger. That's why those pairings ended up going the way they did. And not only that... Tiger apologized to Reed when they didn't play well together the first round. And that Reed explained to him the like ethos of team play. Yeah, they, this is weird because uh, Tiger wasn't great, but he was definitely better than Patrick Reed. Patrick was by far the worst of Especially the two. Especially Saturday. I love this quote from the source because we'd been trying to do this math in the press room saying, look, on Saturday during their match, Reed was going to shoot 83, and I think that might be generous, honestly. <laughs> that's insane. I mean, a lot of people had said it, and that's actually what kind of incited the comments from Justine Reed is that some from Golf Channel said this is possibly the worst you've ever seen a Ryder Cup or play. Yeah, ever, ever. Ever in the Ryder Cup. So I don't know what to believe now, honestly, because, look, if you listen to this source and you believe him, then Reed wanted to play with Tiger, and he's just – you know, it's total revisionist history, and he just wants to pin this Ryder Cup weirdness on something. What I want to do before you we move forward do? is let's take a look at this from the Reed family's perspective. And that's not just one person, that's two. I think this is a moment where we could really just like really blow up the fact that they're insular and that, you know, Patrick's relationship with his family does not exist and that Justine manages his Twitter account and a lot of his life and that they are kind of their own separate thing and they don't have that many friends on the PGA tour from their perspective. What does this all look like? It really looks like someone that was thought to be a friend of Patrick's is not a friend of Patrick's that he doesn't want to play with him. And so I don't think we're surprised by this at all, but they seem to be really, really, for lack of a better term, butthurt again. Sure. By other people. There are there's a lot we don't know about Justine Reed and the Reed family, but one thing we know factually is if you're not with team, them not in Team Patrick. If you're you're either with them or you're against them. And they really God all got in the same bunker on Sunday and just you know, all this talk of Reed was talking to the New York Times about Oh, the Europeans were le- better at leaving their egos at the door. 
dude, have some self-awareness because what do you think you're doing by going public with all these team grievances? That is the definition of taking your ego, not being able to ditch it at the door, not being able to do what's best for the team, adapt to new situations. If you're a, a transcendent Ryder Cup player, you should be able to play with the greatest player of all time and have some success. You know, you shouldn't only be able to play with Jordan Spieth. It really does feel, though, that like the way the Canizaro article like pitted Reed through the sources, like it really does feel like Patrick Reed thinks about team, 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 team only. And I do think a lot of the guys in the American team, they think team, but they also think about individual matches first. And I think it's hard to, to not have that. Like you are a team, but you contribute by winning your own match. And so I don't think that, like everybody on the American team is all in on team only, team only, team only. I don't care where you put me. I don't care what you do to me. Like I think Jordan Spieth only had a couple people he wanted to play with. Sure. And I think that as part of the undoing with this team is that you get 12 guys and eight of them have an opinion on what they want to come out of it with. Patrick Reed's one of those. I think Jordan Spieth's probably another. I think maybe Brooks Kepka is another. I think you go on down the line and there's a lot of I want and then you have a, a pretty passive leader like Jim Furyk and he says okay you can <laughs> you can have yeah. this and that's what Speed said this is a player centric environment where they get to you know partly decide have input on what the pairings are so to listen to Reed though Speed is actually not saying you know I only want to do what's best for the team if he only wants to do what's best for the team he plays with Patrick Reed and because they've had success, <laughs> A. B, no one else is exactly lining up to play with Reed. But it seems like Spieth just wanted to play with JT. And yeah. to his credit, Can they were good. Them? They were good. They were three and one together. Jordan Spieth was easily one of the four best Americans at this event, despite getting waxed <laughs> by Thunderbird. Waxed. Absolutely waxed, waxed from the start. So another takeaway is that Reed did not think he should be benched twice. Right. Right. And that is that his record speaks for itself that he's been so damn great in I might like to add one American victory. Like you mm-hmm. were you were good at Clinigos, sure. but hey buddy, the team lost. And But here's the thing. Here is Reed's image of himself. He thinks he is to the American side. He thinks he has earned the exact same respect as Rory McElroy has for the European side. Yeah, and that's just because that just can't be. He cites this moment where, look, Rory played terribly, didn't make a birdie in his opening match on Friday. And then in the afternoon, he got sent back out because he's Rory McElroy. He is the heartbeat of that team. You're never going to sit him. And sure enough, he he's goes also on one of the greatest golfers matches. Europe has ever had. Sure, he's one of the greatest golfers of this generation. Patrick Reed, you're not. Has been great. <laughs> you're not there. Um, and notably, has not been great since May. Right. Yeah, if we're only looking at 2014 and 2016 Ryder Cup results, I don't think that's a great way to set your lineup. Although, God, maybe it is because Ian Poulter <laughs> and Sergio Garcia and Henrik Stenson have been not good and they were sure great. All right. Well, I'm glad that we gave that a little bit of like the Reed perspective because it, it's really easy to look at one person who's mouthing off and be like, they are the problem. And generally, they're mouthing off for a reason because there are multiple problems. But this is how the Reed family works. So we let's let's say goodbye to that for a second. Yeah, let's leave them. Another crazy story that came out of the U.S. team room 
or rather the European celebration room, was that DJ Dustin Johnson, all six foot four bash brother of him, and Brooks Kepka, not sure how tall Brooks is. He's, He's the other six bash foot brother. Flat. <laughs> People Brooks' height overrated. Okay. Well, his muscles are not. And no, it, not. what came out of it is that it sounded like DJ and Brooks were fighting. They were ready to to actually they appeared ready to fight. Fight in the way yep. that you punch someone you don't like. And whether or not they were there, we were not there. It's only coming from pretty loosely sourced stories. Whether or not they were just yelling at each other, whether or not they were ultimately pissed at each other, what pissed them off, it's all pretty loose stuff. It is loose stuff, yeah. So let's get into really quickly but, what we know and what we don't know about this story. because well, I don't think we know anything. Well, I think we know that something happened. We know that there was yes. some sort of altercation. Uh, Tim Rosefort at the Golf Channel, he's someone that takes the truth seriously. And so he wouldn't just go flippantly reporting things. No. There are more reports about things that we don't know. Like the previous week, that would be Sunday night, I guess. After the Tour Championship, there were reports that that was when the altercation started, that there was awkwardness then, which ultimately led to the two of them not playing together as they did last year at the President's Cup. So that was that was early in the week. But then on Thursday, you've got DJ's press conference. Brooks's press conference follows that. So Brooks comes in. He's kind of chummy. He's playing on his phone. He's having a good time. He's in a good mood. And he asks, he grabs the mic and asks DJ, hey, how many pictures did you take last night making a joke about the fact that DJ had that pretty viral photo of yeah. him taking a photo of, of Paulina. Honestly, as far as Brooks goes, this is like pretty funny. Yes. This was one of the funnier things I've ever seen and heard him do. And so they, I mean, it, pre- it was pretty typical DJ Brooks at that point. And yeah, then a couple guys chopping it up, you know, yes, they don't play together Friday, but then they didn't play together. But did you rereading into this at that point? Because I really wasn't my, my radar was not up that, Oh, this is weird. It just seemed like, Oh, this is a, a golf course that doesn't necessarily suit the two of them playing together maybe dj does better playing with ricky well yeah you can make that argument for a lot of americans you can make the argument that rory was a great fit with rom but so was justin rose so like don't just because these guys are our buddies well they're buddies they played together last year though at the president's cup mm-hmm. and they played against, well they against did not a lose far more inferior team a decent a, yeah just a, Totally. You, you, you can't compare totally the different two. You really can't. Just because Jordan and Patrick played well at the President's Cup doesn't mean they are meant to be together. So that aside, I thought it you know, it seemed to be all good. And then Sunday night, something apparently happened. Now, someone told me today that the reports are erroneous. And yeah. so it's really hard to nail this down. And I don't think we will. I think we're going to find something out, obviously, just because we know – about their relationship, you know, they're really good friends. They hang out most days, literally. They share uh, management teams. They share uh, workout. Trainer. A it's trainer a tra- would be the word for that. A workout man is what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, they spend a ton of time together, and we're going to notice if that radically drops off all of a sudden, If you know, if something is up. And if this was more than just a couple competitive guys pissed off about losing, charged up with some booze post-round, there's a lot of ways that this could still come out. That's just the thing is that we are probably, this is, this is like an iceberg in which we see 10% of it, or yeah. we, are, we are able to know 10% of it. And so people are excited, understandably, 
We all love to speculate. We all love to read into things. Also, the idea of two Bash brothers actually coming to blows, kind of yeah. sexy. Two of the best players in the world. I mean, what could be juicier than that? So, my know, my like, I guess in my gut, I tend to believe that this is a lot more of nothing than it is something. Time will tell. Just knowing a little bit about these guys that they don't get really worked up about a lot of things. I And I guess for me, the one thing I've been thinking about more lately is that people, they liken Brooks to DJ so much. like They act like they're the same person. I think Brooks is a lot more like Patrick Reed than he is like DJ, or maybe a combination of the two. Interesting. In which... You know, Brooks kind of holds things at least against people a little bit. He's he's not afraid to to kind of be like, well, the media is not treating me well. DJ yeah. would never say that. Yeah. Patrick Reed would say that. You know who Patrick Reed is a little bit like? Sidebar. Uh-oh. Bryson DeChambeau. That's what I kept How? thinking during their post-round press conference. Just guys that have isolated themselves out. No one else would have gone on that soliloquy during the press conference talking about the team, how everything was so important, the way Bryson did. And they are both one-man islands within this team. Maybe they should have played together. All right. Back on topic. Let's go to the next thing that I have highlighted is there's going to be a new captain announcement. It's going to happen probably in November. That's generally when those announcements are made. We get a little bit away from the event. We let these kind of reports subside. And then the PJ of America announces... So-and-so is the next captain. Who the hell wants that job? <laughs> Who in their right mind is a, is a seasoned golf veteran with you know enough status in the game to be considered? Yeah. Who, who wants to go in and have seen what Jim Furyk was feeling in that post-loss press conference and say, yeah, I'm ready to take these questions and, and even before that, try to manage... Dustin versus Brooks versus Jordan versus Patrick versus possibly Phil and possibly Tiger and and guys like Bryson and maniacs like Bubba and try to fit them in. Yeah. I mean, who the hell wants that job? I don't. He was trying to take the company line. He was asked immediately, you know, what would you have done differently? He tried to fall on the sword and and say, this was my fault. I got out captained. Bjorn was a better captain than I was. (laughs) This is Rick Riley who's asking this question. He said, well, what would you have done differently? And Furyk kind of dodged it, and he asked him again, trying to get specifically, okay, if you if you didn't do a great job captaining, what would you have done better? And, you know, Furyk obviously probably doesn't think he really did anything wrong. He probably did the best job he could. At a certain point, the guys just have to play better. Uh, but, man, now this is just – there's no way he does it again. No You're not going to see Furyk in 2020. No If you do – People will <laughs> they'll stand outside the PG of America yeah. with pitchforks. The best thing I think you would have is someone that doesn't mind making unpopular decisions. Someone that is steadfast in their own beliefs enough that, look, they're going to do what they think is best. If you don't like it, they're they not afraid to become Tom Watson. Yeah. Though I don't think they ever will. They're not afraid exactly of what happened there. Yeah. You know who's not afraid of what happened with Tom Watson? Lefty. Phil Nicholson. I want to take you through a thought exercise with Phil in mind. Okay. Now, along this way, we can, we can kind of adjust how, my, how I feel about this, but I think that this would be smart. Take a Let's look. Let's talk through it, yeah. Take a look at USA Basketball. 
Mike Krzyzewski is the coach of USA Basketball from 2006 to 2016. It is now Greg Popovich handling like the World Cup and the Olympic Games. So Pop is going to be, for the foreseeable future, the head coach of USA Basketball. And that generally lasts anywhere from six to ten years. I think starting with a new decade being 2020 being the next Ryder Cup I think the PGA of America names for the next six to ten years based off how interested they end up being in it or or how much they get burned by the media or how well they handle it they go and name Phil Mickelson the Ryder Cup captain but it's not just captain it's more like Ryder Cup coach and let this guy talk about process this guy that cares about process he was on the task force he's on the the committee USA women's team has Dawn Staley. She's been doing this for Mm -hmm. just as long. This is someone who has their own side gig as coaches elsewhere. You know, Phil's going to have his own side gig as a player elsewhere. He's going to have to make certain appearances as the captain and and really own the position. So is he President's Cup captain also in this case? No. He's not? You have a Ryder Cup captain and a President's Cup captain. Hmm. They can work together. Dude, I think you got to go all in with this. Okay, I'm fine with that. Give me a USA golf coach because I really like this idea. Okay, so then let's do that. Phil, as you said, not afraid to be someone to make decisions. Also, as I said, incredibly beloved character. Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas are rubbing his freaking belly. Ricky loves him. He's played with him in the past. Mm -hmm. DJ would defer to Phil on freaking anything, on how to tie his shoes. Everyone, including Tiger a little bit even, would have an okay feeling deferring to Phil. And now I bring this all up because USA Basketball, well, they play on a different playing field because – they will beat anyone based off generally talent alone if the coaches don't screw it up. Yeah. But in terms of checking egos, Phil can check all these guys down, right? Tiger yeah. is a different kind of person. He doesn't need to check Tiger's ego anymore if Tiger would be in line. Phil is chumming with everyone, as I've said. In Embedded with all this, assistants can be named early. Like, you can name... David Duvall. David, you're a Golf Channel analyst. Do I, it. I Name want, Duvall early. Keep him on there. Think about when he was named. He was named when Tiger was named a captain's pick. And you know who other assistants were named? Kucher and ZJ? Yeah. Those guys were named inside of a month of the event. Dude, they, I, don't, I don't like this thing of naming the guys that just barely missed. Yes. Because it's a little weird. Those guys just wish that they were playing in the event. So, Duvall, if you want him as an assistant captain on your team... Bring him and tell him when Phil's announced you're an assistant captain for this position. If you get, you know, if it doesn't work out for you, if you don't really enjoy it, then get out. And that's okay. But Davis Love seems to enjoy it. And assistant captains have such a low, like, amount of work involved. You can really, like, show up the yeah. month of. You don't have to get hang- too much out of them. You want just a tiny contribution and like usa basketball mike krzyzewski is actually not doing too much right like he's focusing on it and phil would one month a year but i think that you're right we have to get away from making this a ceremonial position this is not your birthright as someone that wins 10 times on the pga tour to automatically become the team captain that doesn't have to be the way that things work if we want to actually win these things yeah as the U.S. team, because that's sort of how it's been run. But there's no real reason 
for it in terms of organizational stability, in terms of people understanding who the coach is, who's in charge. Like you said, they don't have to do a ton. These players have their own teams already in place. Don't you think? But in terms of bringing players together for those team events, Ryder Cup, President's Cup, uh, the Olympic team, they could have a hand in managing that. The World Cup, if we like. The only tricky part here is that this needs to become a paid position. You're not going to get someone to do all the appearances involved with this if it's not some paid position. Because Jim Furyk really, really went all around. Like, you know, you're going to France. You're going to hit balls off the Eiffel Tower. You're going to to Heinz Field to do the Ryder Cup uh, trophy tour. Like, Mm -hmm. so maybe you ease back off of that a little bit. But how much are you going to have to pay Phil Mickelson to make it worth his while? Okay, yes, but then maybe he's not ready for it. Mm-hmm. Maybe, Phil, when you're 56, then you can take on that job. Sure. Maybe it's a six-year or six year appointment or I like, a five-year like appointment. I like six years. I like three cycles through each thing. You can have a transitional period where you work with some of your assistants. Your, some of your assistants get to try it out. Here's where the ceremonial thing, that just becomes the assistant captain position. Yes. That's who gets the, hey, look, you've done your time. People like you. You seem like you could have been a captain. Here you are. You're an assistant. Mm-hmm. Have your gear. Yeah. And have your gear. And maybe have your like debut or your tryout to be a captain. I mean, six, is, six years is a lot of years because basically then you're looking back to, well, if we were, if it, let's say that uh, Jim Furyk was the captain for the last six years, then he was also the captain in 2013 when the President's Cup was in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like just, that just puts you back to how many years it's been. Right. Six years could be a lot. Maybe it's four years. Maybe you get four, two full Maybe cycles. you go through with the president. When the president comes in, boom. The only, new. the only problem with this is that if you're committing to four years of something, kind of like Donald Trump, yeah. there, there could be buyer's remorse. Let's say this was Jim Furyk's first year. Do you think Say. that the PGA of America would be stoked about the performance? I don't know what I for. Yeah. So that's just, I think you, I think the position maybe needs to be held to this like higher standard of, of like of selection mm-hmm. as opposed to like, Oh, well he's played on a bunch of these teams and he's won his one major. So he could probably be good at it. Yeah. It's not working. Well, let's, Let's think about where Tiger Woods fits into this because he is an interesting figure in terms of USA golf. He's the President's Cup captain next year. Yeah. He has some work to do when it comes to team competitive play. And he was really weird this week. I don't think that we're – I think the next time he plays in one of these team events, this is going to be all we can talk about. This 0-4 stretch, this you know strange down moment after the highest of highs at the Tour Championship last week. He looked off. He looked off during the round. He looked off after the round. During He was just about falling asleep in that final press conference. Yeah, that was concerning because you and I sat in on his press conference on Tuesday. Yeah. And he sat up there with a huge grin, classic Tiger presser. Yep. He's getting thanked by a singular journalist. God, that was crazy. He, he was gloating. He was he doing was, just a little. Yes. He was his base. You know, he was kind of humble bragging a little bit like yeah I've, yeah I've heard up from, from all these people I've been on this pretty tremendous like media tour you know like I'm still kind of catching up with it all and you fast forward five days yeah and the the dude is 
essentially dozing off. I like. Yep. I don't want to say he was falling asleep because he did answer, but he answered even more robotically than he n- ever has before. He was doing the nodding thing, though. It reminded me of like econ at two thirty p.m. in college after like a big lunch. <laughs> yeah. So, and when Jordan Spieth referenced him and kind of asked him a question, Tiger did not answer. It was a lighthearted question too. I think he's. I think he kind of said no. Nah. Like murmured, yeah, as a t- as a really tired person. But he would. was asking, Speed was asking about whether they called their group fire team or not. It was kind of a lighthearted thing. Tiger could have, you know, chimed right in. Then Speed said, "Yeah, good talk, Tiger." Bubba cracked a joke that fell really flat, as about seventy percent of Bubba's jokes seem to. So yeah, it's something is amiss with this team. Yeah, something is up. I mean, in the immediate aftermath, before the presser. You know, right after the golf wrapped up, I really was feeling like, look, this just is what happens when one team is a better team than the other team. Maybe not better individual stroke play golfers, but the Europeans just seemed to be a better team. And now it's looking a lot rockier. I think what we're learning is that these things, when when you, I guess, you know, you bring 12 minds together. Let, I mean, let's do this. You take 12 people outside of this room in our office right now and try to get them to agree on one thing. It's not easy. It's like not you easy. You bring in 12 of the biggest egos in golf, 12 of the most important players in the world, and you put them on the same team, and some of them have performed better than the others. Some of them ha- haven't. Yeah. And some of them are pissed about it, and some of them recently have kind of sucked. And then you try to mesh all those things together. If you're not kind of forcible with it, it yeah. just doesn't sound like Jim Furyk was forcible. It sounds like he put a sign up that said, check your egos at the door and felt like that was going to be enough. Isn't that so classic? That's so task force era to have a sign that says, check your egos at the door. You just as can't if that le- is somehow going to help people check their egos at the door. Well, you just can't leave it at that. You know what I thought was telling when the Euros started talking about Torbjorn Olsen in their post round press conference, he started talking and they immediately started making fun of him. They said, this guy was a mute. We didn't hear from him all week. Yeah. You know, here Torbjorn finally speaking up. The U.S. seems to take its outsiders and push them even further to the outside. Totally. The Europeans do their best to bring everyone in. They had their group chat uh, going for weeks beforehand, all united around a picture of JT wearing a Beat Europe yeah. shirt. And rallying around Shipnick's column saying that the U.S. is going to be dominant for years to come. So just the way they embraced Torbjorn, who got waxed in the first match, didn't play again, and then played Sunday and thrashed Jordan Spieth. Yeah. That would pretty much summed it up. I mean, there's a couple pillars in that U.S. room that are like they try and size up each other against. (laughs) You know? Who's more important here? Yep. Patrick Reed. He had plenty of chips in the stack that he was that he at least felt that he was working with, with his past Ryder Cup history, his green jacket. Mm-hmm. Jordan Spieth had just as many. Yeah. Phil Mickelson just as many. Tony Finau has none. But did he cause any waves? You, you sure do, did not. Do you hear his name attached to anything? No. no. The only thing his name attached to is waxing Tommy Fleetwood on Sunday. Is being the only captain's pick that actually showed up to play. Yeah. So there's there's going to be more that we hear that comes out of this uh, between Reed, DJ Brooks, the captains. There's a there's just a lot going on. I got one more question for you. Actually, Let's hear it. 
the other interesting thing that came out of uh, this Karen Krauss New York Times story, she talked about it afterwards, and she was saying not only was Tiger not Patrick's first choice, Patrick certainly wasn't Tiger's first choice. Who do you think was Tiger's first choice? If Tiger was making the pairings, who would he have played with? Because it seems like maybe he bailed out the rest of the team and said, yeah, I'll play with Patrick Reed. We're friends. I mean, if I was Tiger, I would want to play with Justin Thomas. And that's that's that, that's not with hindsight of how JT played. Yeah. It's because JT's game is phenomenal everywhere. And not only that, he's one of Tiger's friends, close sure. friends. And, like, he's fiery. If Tiger wanted someone that he could definitely count on and wouldn't who would not back down to anything and who would actually be in good form, it's got to be JT. And looking back at the start of the week, what we thought at that point, I would have said, I think it's Tiger Bryson. I think it's Tiger JT. We even saw the foursome going out there, Spieth, Reed, Tiger, JT. I thought, man, sure enough, it's going to be those four. And then it got out into the course. Patrick Reed and Tiger Woods are playing alternate shot in the practice round. Do you... Do you, you know, Luke Curtinine, our new colleague, mentioned it to me this morning. He said, do you think Rory wanted to play with Torbjorn Olesen in the first match? Do you think he actually wanted to play with Andy Sullivan in 2016? Yeah. No. But Rory is the European thoroughbred. Yeah. Patrick, if you are the American thoroughbred... You should be able to take anybody on. You should be able to play with Bryson DeChambeau. Yeah. You should be able to play with Tony Finau. Jordan Spieth, same goes for you. Definitely be able to play with Tiger Woods. I mean, but just like the mentality yeah. of I get to say who I play with is exactly what has led the U.S. to the past two decades of failure and and name calling and finger pointing and. The irony of Patrick Reed saying they can't check their egos at the door. Yeah. While he's failing to do exactly that. As you said to me yesterday, just wait until 2020 when Pat Reed is like the first, second, or third person outside the top eight. Yeah. Then you're going to have some captain, bless his heart, for taking the job to begin with, trying to decide, do we bring Patrick Reed onto this team or is he just going to cause me a ton of headache? Yeah. And that's when, at that point, that's when we really need Justine Reed's commentary. So I am excited for that back-to-back. All right. Well, that's good enough for us here. We kind of talked through the Ryder Cup. Felt like we need to. Felt like we needed to to fill in for Shipnook and Bamberger. We probably didn't do a good enough job uh, because people will always want more of them. I enjoyed it. But until next time, which will probably be a while, stay tuned to the Golf.com podcast and everything else, Golf.com.